Should Christians talk about sex? It seems like anytime we preach on it, not maybe anytime, but a lot of times people can get a little uncomfortable. <laughs> and sometimes I'll get emails from people and a lot of times it's people who just have a terrible sex life and they feel guilty. So they don't want you talking about it in church. I think so. I <laughs> did a series in Proverbs some years ago. It was called uh, get smart. And we did smart this and smart that and smart money. And one of them was smart sex because there's a lot about sex in Proverbs. And boy, did I have a woman mad at me. She refused to come for the whole series. And man, she talked it up to all kinds of other people. I'm sure her and husband is a very I've, pleased I've man. I feel really <laughs> bad for her husband is exactly right. <laughs> The Bible's, the, you know, the Bible, man, is plain as can be and does not keep itself from discussing it. So who's starting here? Well, this is Between the Lines. I'm Scott. I'm Junior. I'll start. I don't have an apple this morning, so. <laughs> All right. Instructions on marriage. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It says, now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. Now, I want to say this about that verse because I, I, I wish these modern versions didn't do this, but they all do. In the King James, it actually says it's good for a man not to touch a woman. And they're saying, well, that means they can't shake hands or, you know, actually the word there, the word is touch. It's not sexual relations. It is touch, but it is a kind of a sexual touch. You would maybe say a bit of maybe petting or something that would incite the passions of a person. Okay. And so it, it it's not just intercourse, for example, it is any kind of a touch that would incite passions in another person. He's saying, don't do this. Um, you know, men and women shouldn't be doing this to each other unless they're married. This is in verse two. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. And even there, it, it literally says to avoid, this isn't because there's so much sexual immorality, but to avoid sexual immorality, have a husband or a wife. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. And that's different from the world. The way the world talks is that, well, whenever there's any you know sexual activity between a husband and wife, it has to be because they both want it at the same time. And Paul takes a little different... You know, he's he's saying, no, if, if either one of you are in the mood, the other one should want to, because it's about love. It's about giving up what I want and my own comfort or discomfort for the sake of my husband or wife. And so lovemaking or sex should be about giving of yourself to your partner, to your husband, your wife. That's his approach. Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And this is in the instance where there's going to be, you know, we, you, almost like fasting that you may come apart for a time because, for spiritual reasons. I say this as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with lust. But for those who are married, I have a command that, that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband. But if she does, if she does leave him, let her remain single or else, she, or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. Now I will speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer, and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a believing woman has a husband 
who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, her children would not be holy, but now they are holy. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Don't you wives realize that your husbands might be saved because of you? And don't you husbands realize that your wives might be saved because of you? He's not saying there that because one is a believer, the other will just get kind of a shoe in into the kingdom of God. It's meaning that you get influence, that you being a believer and living out the gospel at home can result in his or her salvation. Each and of you if you sh- leave, you, then you lose that, is yeah. what you're saying. Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you sh- as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all churches. For instance, a man who is circumcised before he becomes a believer should not try to reverse it. I don't know how you could. Yeah, I don't know how you would do that. <laughs> it's about plastic surgery back then or something. And the man who was uncircumcised when he became a believer should not become circumcised now. For- I think that was just a hyperbole you were saying. Oh, okay. you know, you, just like you can't be uncircumcised or recircumcised or yeah. re-whatever, you shouldn't get circumcised if you're not. Yeah, I don't want that. For it makes no difference whether or not a man has been circumcised. The important thing is to keep God's commandments. There's so much there that, you know, and because this is a longer chapter, we can't spend time on this, but... That's right. But I, I do, I think it's important that we make this reminder, and that is God has a holy hatred for divorce. And while we want to have grace for those who have been through this, but I think those of you who are listening and you've been through divorce yourself, you'd be the first to say, this is not God's plan. This is not. And we're we're in a society today where I think it has so hindered our culture because divorces are so free and easy and people are so quick. In fact, they go into marriages even with this idea that if things don't work out, that's what's going to happen. Nobody intends on getting a divorce when they get married, but man, it's way too common. And we ought to have the same kind of holy hatred for the dissolution of a marriage that God has. And we should be on his side when it comes to this, no matter what our experiences have been. Yeah. You want to take it verse 20? Sure. Yes, each of you should remain as you were when you were called. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. He's saying no matter where you're at and whatever situation you're in, you can the, the focus should be not on changing your situation, but on honoring God in whatever circumstances that you're in. Now, regarding the question about the young women who are not married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them, but the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted, and I will share it with you. He's just saying here that I don't have any Old Testament scripture to back this up. But I'm giving you some wisdom that comes from God. Because of the present crisis, that's the persecution, I think it's best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young man gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles, and I'm trying to spare you those troubles because of the persecution that they were going through. And married people or people with families, of course, were at greater risk with that persecution. But let me say this to your brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or the joy of their possessions. 
Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them, for this world as we know it will pass away. Don't get caught up in what's temporary. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him, but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife, and that's how it should be. His interests are divided in the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit, but a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. He's just saying that there is a good side, there's an upside to being single and remaining single. Of course, the natural state at which we were created was to desire to have a mate to share our lives with, but there is also an upside to remaining single. That's all he was saying. So verse 37 then, uh, or I'm sorry, verse uh, 35. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. But if man thinks he's treating his fiance improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion, he's being inappropriate with that physical relationship and things are going too far. He says, then let him marry her as he wishes. It is not a sin. I think some couples just hold off getting married too too long. It's like that to them, the biggest thing is, oh, I got to have this special big wedding and all these things. And whatnot. Listen, if you're having some struggles with lust and you're not able to hold yourself back, Paul says, it's not the wedding that matters. It's the marriage. And so if you're doing some things you're going to regret later, just get married. Yeah, and the other end, though, there are also people who just, like, rush to get married. It's like, I, I got to get married, got to get married. And then they end up with a person that they got to live well, forever with. That's true. I've got buddies where it's like, I know you won't say it, but, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you married wrong here. You, you were just so such in a hurry. Almost idolizing marriage itself. That's true. All right. So anyway, uh, so the, uh, he says, verse 37, but if he has deci- decided firmly not to marry and there's no urgency and he can control his passion, he does well to not marry. So the person who marries his fiance does well, and the person who doesn't marry does even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. So this is, makes it a big deal. This is a serious thing. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. Ooh, that's a big deal. None of us as Christians are free to just marry whoever we want. That's right. That's the number one, he says, it must be someone who also has that same commitment to following Jesus. But in my opinion, it would be better for her to stay single, and I think I'm giving you counsel from God's Spirit when I say this. All right, long, long chapter. Could have said more about it, but yes. let's uh, get into Psalm 94. Yeah. Psalm 94. I and, think you had picked out a couple of verses. Yeah, right? well, just just one verse. I, I love this verse 14. The Lord will not reject His people. He will not abandon His own special possession. Yeah, we are God's own special possession. His people. And this and, is why we live holy. This is why we care about mm-hmm. sexual morality and living pure. This is why we care about honoring God with our marriages. Because we're his bodies. people. We're, we're, we're to be possession. different from the rest of the world. That's right. All right. Well, be that special possession today. Shine in whatever area that God has you in today. And we'll look forward. We'll have a good yes, weekend. Yeah, yes. Starting so, the weekend. So make sure you're in church uh, this weekend. And we look forward to seeing you. Do your reading Saturday and Sunday as well. That's right. See you in church. And see you Monday. Bye.